0: Hello, and welcome back to STEM for the Future. Today's episode, will be talking about the science behind decarbonizing aviation. Our guest for today is Mohamed El gheilani He is the regional lead for global sustainability policy and partnerships in the Middle East, Turkey, and Africa at Boeing. He primarily focuses on decarbonizing aviation through implementing innovative technology, operational efficiency, advocacy for sustainable aviation th- fuel, and a beneficial policy environment and partnerships. He's the driving force and active contributor to the UN Climate Change Conference, the 28th Conference of Party, which is the COP28 that will be held in the UAE at the end of this year. On top of that, his role at Boeing, he is temporarily assigned to COP28's organizing committee. Mohammed's dedication, deep knowledge, and enthusiasm are truly inspiring and I'm very pleased to have a meaningful conversation with you today. Hello and welcome.
1: Thank you for that introduction. Uh, Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, Really excited about this. Um, Yeah,
0: I'm so excited to jump into it. But before we get into our episode, we're going to have a tiny fact bubble. Today, we're going to be talking about sustainable aviation fuels in Egypt, which is short for SAF did you know that egypt has set the goal to increase the share of sustainable aviation fuels in its aviation mix to five percent by 2030 which is a joint venture in the aswan Governorate, which is set to produce sustainable aviation fuel from agricultural waste which is very interesting so international organizations which include the international civil aviation organization which is ICAO. I-C-A-O. <laughs> I-C-A-O. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> I-C-A-O. Yes, exactly. And the United Nations Development Program, which is the UNDP. They're helping Egypt develop the necessary infrastructure and regulatory framework. However, because of the high prices for sustainable aviation fuels and limited production capacity, those present some challenges that need to be addressed and we're gonna get into that Throughout our podcast episode today, so hello.
1: Great. Well, great to be here. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, uh, sustainable aviation fuel. That's uh, I've been working on sustainable aviation fuel for for quite a while now. Uh, did my master's thesis on it uh, back when sustainable aviation fuels were relatively a niche topic, so there weren't a lot of conversations happening at that time. But uh, it's truly inspiring to see how um, we were able to bring uh the global south and countries all around the world to rally behind this solution to decarbonize aviation uh to see progress happening in countries like egypt we see work happening in the united arab emirates and different parts of the world all focused on decarbonizing this very very important sector so i'm excited to go into it and to talk about all the fun technical things and uh and the details
0: i'm excited to ask you so many questions about it so Uh, You are uh, one of the SAF advocates, which is short for Sustainable Aviation Fuels, and you're a contributor to scaling up its production all over the world, at Boeing specifically. Mm -hmm. So, um, Hamad, my first question to you would be, can you tell us about your career path? And can you give us some details about engineering and the research projects you manage? How did you get
1: there? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so I studied chemical engineering when I was at university for my bachelor's, mm-hmm. uh, and the reason, uh, the initial reason to study engineering, I think, was because I went, I realized that uh, engineering is an important part of the toolkit in order for me to work on fields that are impactful and to provide solutions uh, in uh, in uh, uh, some of the technological challenges. The second part of how I decided to choose my career was I've always been fascinated with aviation. I think people have been dreaming about flying for centuries and just to see an airplane, a 747 in the air, you know, since I was a kid, I found that inspiring. So I knew that I wanted to do something related to aviation as well. And then the final part of my uh, thought process was I want to work on next century fields, not last century's work. So that's why I decided to focus on sustainability, which I think is one of the most biggest challenges in our our generation. So uh, ultimately uh, what I ended up working on was aviation sustainability and then I did my master's on sustainable aviation fuels. But I also m- made sure that the thesis that I was working on or my uh, the, the research was very focused on the region that I come from. So we looked at a specific type of plant that grows in the desert using seawater and has a high oil content that can then be used to produce sustainable aviation fuel. So unlike general conversations where the conversation is are we competing with water are we competing with land are we competing with food the answer is no. we're growing this on non in uh, land that's basically in the desert. We're not competing with freshwater resources, and a part of that whole process, the integrated system that we worked on, was uh, included aquaculture. So you, you're actually producing food. So the that, that's uh, that's the research that I worked on for my masters and. Uh, Since then, I kind of got into a bit more uh, work related to sustainable aviation fuel. I joined Boeing uh, and I've been working as the regional lead for, for the last couple of years, focused on Middle East, Turkey, and Africa.
0: That's fantastic. Can I ask you what kind of plant was it?
1: Yeah, so the specific type of plant is called sal- Salicornia, uh-huh. uh, and again, the, the reason that we identified this plant was because uh, it uh, it's uh, it grows under harsh heat conditions. Uh, it uh, uh, it can grow in uh, using uh, saline water or salty water, mm-hmm. so we wouldn't have to um, you know uh, remove the salt positioned. content. Yeah. So um, and it also has a a high oil content, which can then be extracted to produce uh, SAF. So you mentioned earlier as well that, you know, Egypt is focused on producing SAF from agricultural waste. Uh, So the the fun thing here, fun for me anyway, uh, (laughs) is that there are so many different ways to produce SAF. Yeah. uh and we we have to really look at uh, at all of these different parts of the world and look at what are the resources that are available and what's the best solution for this part of the world so there is yeah. no one size fits all so for example there are places that can produce SAF from waste oils others are focused on uh using mm-hmm. ethanol so that's the ethanol to jet process you can also use municipal solid waste agricultural waste these are all different ways that are approved uh, and certified to produce staff, which can then be used and blended t- with conventional jet fuel and used in, normal- in, in airplanes today.
0: That's fantastic. It sounds like you're taking like the vernacular route, like whatever resources are available in each region.
1: Yes, uh, I th- exactly. I think uh, the, the focus is to make sure that we have as many options as, uh, as possible and then uh, depending on the region, try to identify what's the best solution for this part of the world. Uh, Keeping that in mind, we also need to make sure that whenever we decide to look at these different pathways, we have to make sure that the the final product is actually sustainable. Mm -hmm. So we work with different different organizations, such as the Roundtable for Sustainable Biomaterials, to make sure that the feedstock that we're analyzing, the Mm -hmm. feedstock that we're looking at, is sustainable Uh, we look at whether it competes with land it competes with food deforestation there are so many different metrics yeah Um, holistically
0: sustainable that's really great
1: exactly so whenever we talk about SAF there are two different types of sustainability uh, certifications you have your technical certification Mm -hmm. so that's making sure that the product that you're producing meets the requirements and the standards for Mm -hmm. it to be used in a jet engine and then you also have your sustainability certification Mm -hmm. so So uh, bringing those together is is one of the most important things.
0: That's amazing. Okay, I know that you are seconded to the United Nations Climate Change Conference, the COP28. Uh, So part of the organizing committee. So can you tell us more about your role at COP28?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm very fortunate to be on this temporary assignment now uh, with the uh, with the COP28 team. Uh, so I work on non-negotiated outcomes uh, with with the COP28 team. And our focus is really on how do we bring industry... Um, uh, uh, and the, and industry as well as uh, intergovernmental organizations and other stakeholders to really drive solutions to decarbonize these sectors. Mm-hmm. So within the energy transition team, we have a pretty big portfolio. We're looking at renewable energy deployment. We're looking at uh, hydrogen and how that's going to play into the whole ecosystem. We're looking at how do we decarbonize the heavy emitting sectors, so steel, al- aluminum, cement, we're also looking at how do we decarbonize aviation. So it's a uh, it's a very broad topic that we get to work on, uh, but it makes it interesting. And uh, now the, the other thing that, uh, so it's not my first COP, uh, I also have to say, so I was very, very lucky to be part of the youth delegation for COP21. So when we talk about Paris Agreement and the Paris Accord, I was there at Paris, which was uh, a highlight, I have to admit. And then for COP22, I was also there in Marrakesh in uh, and I think that was uh, also a pivot to COP because we saw a lot of focus on uh, on Africa and bringing uh, the, the, the the Global South uh, south into that conversation. Uh, and then I was here in Egypt for COP27 uh, in Sharm el-Sheikh. And I'm really, really excited about the work that we're doing for COP28 in the UAE this year.
0: It seems extremely promising. I can't wait to actually see it. So uh, could you give us some colour about your uh, previous experience with the UN Climate Change Conference of Parties? So what did you do in the previous ones as well
1: yeah so i guess uh, i've I've had uh, you know i've been in the, i've been around the, uh, the the conference of parties or the, or the UNFCCC triple c framework for a while but then each time was very unique in the way that uh, the, uh that i was there so again you know i was uh the first time was uh, part of the youth delegation and i think this is you know a key point here where um I wouldn't have been doing this work today if I didn't have that opportunity to be part of the youth delegation back in 2015. So I got to start really early. Which was uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to have had that, uh, and then at COP twenty two I was part of the non profit uh, community, so we were focused on energy poverty solutions, uh, so again a very different kind of dynamic, and then COP twenty seven that's when I was working in the private sector uh, with uh, with Boeing, and now COP twenty eight you know we're, we're we're the host country, yeah. uh, and we're we're really focused on uh, having an inclusive COP. Mm-hmm. Bringing all uh, parties to the table, having consensus and driving solutions. Let's focus on how can we really deliver on some of these uh, uh, targets that we've set. How can we accelerate decarbonization? What are the roadblocks when it comes to finance? What are the most important topics that we need to get solved so we can? I mean, it's uh, um, it's very exciting to be able to to see these negotiations take place and, and to be part of that
0: and from different shoes as well you've been all of them
1: yeah it's, uh, <laughs> i still have a, a couple some mo- a couple more to go hopefully but again i think each time uh, you get to learn more uh, yeah. you get to see a different perspective uh it keeps it interesting so uh, i'm very happy about that
0: i'm so excited for you as well so um Another question. So, the global aviation industry uh, has agreed to achieve net zero emissions by 2050. So, in the meantime, aviation is one of the most challenging industries to decarbonize. How is Boeing approaching the net zero target?
1: So I think uh, the aviation industry as a whole, by setting these net zero targets, really set the president and set, uh, you know, clear uh, goals in terms of where the aviation industry needs to go. So back in uh, uh, 2022, uh, the General Assembly at ICAO uh, convened and they agreed on the long term aspirational goals Mm -hmm. to decarbonize by 2050. So that... Of course, is a big challenge. Uh, there is, uh, and it's it's um, it's a complex one as well. Uh, but a couple of things that I'd like to highlight, uh, uh, also to get started, just to put everything into perspective. Uh, so, aviation is responsible for around two to three uh, percent of of global emissions. So, uh, you know, that's a significant part. It's it's important but aviation also devel- delivers on a lot of benefits that, uh, um, uh, the, you know, whether it's connecting people, uh, connecting, uh, uh, transporting goods, trade, trade all yeah. of these things, generating tourism, these are all very big parts of, the, of, of aviation. So when we take a, uh, you know, look at the big picture and, and you know, t- take into account the emissions that are coming from the aviation industry, mm-hmm. And what are the solutions that we currently have right now? There is consensus that sustainable aviation fuel is going to be a big part of that solution. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is we need to decarbonize the fuel. And that's where sustainable aviation fuel comes in. Now, the other things that, or the other levers that we're focused on is how do we burn less fuel? So that's producing aircrafts that have better energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. So if you change, you know, if you, um, Uh, use a new version uh, or a new module of an aircraft then your fuel fuel burn is lower so uh, here you know we're talking about burning less fuel and we're also talking about decarbonizing the fuel in addition to that i think working with regulators on optimizing efficiency or getting the most out of the the fuel that you have is an important part of of that equation as well. And then the final thing is future technology. So within future technology, that's when we talk about hydrogen aircrafts, electric aircrafts, urban air mobility, some of these solutions that will come into the market in the 2035, 2040 time, time, time frame. Well, work is work is ongoing, but the challenge sometimes there is for these new products to be integrated into the market. takes a takes a while. Yeah. So, uh, usually, aer- airplanes you know they're operating for uh, ten years or so. Yeah. Uh, so, when you're entering into the market, you expect that airplane to be uh, operating for uh, uh, for that amount of duration.
0: But maybe not commercial
1: uh not, really. well, uh, not com- so i think there is a lot of different solutions that are emerging in terms of uh uh, future concepts such as you know what are the, some of the solutions that we can look at for these uh, sh- city hops for example yeah. so short range flights uh, or uh, solutions for um, urban air mobility mm-hmm. electric vehicle takeoff and landing so boeing invested for example in WISC, which is an autonomous uh, electric vehicle uh, and uh, boeing is working with uh, uh, with the faa on setting the regulations on not just electric mobility but also these Autonomous vehicles. So, um, uh, I think uh, it's fine, uh, car fine. <laughs> fine cars, w- without a pilot as well. <laughs> so, uh, I think you know if people are still a bit uh, on edge when they go into a, a car and it has autonomous features. So, we're yeah. trying to you know leapfrog and bring that autonomous technology into aviation and electric vehicles.
0: That sounds wonderful, honestly. <laughs> Well, oh, I can't wait
1: to be on one of them, so Me I hope neither. That, Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, you were talking about uh, SAF as an immediate solution that will help reduce emissions by up to 80%. Mm-hmm. And it only contributes for two to three aviation total. So, what exactly are SAFs and I, I, SAFs in general? I know you've mentioned a couple of them, but how are they produced, for instance?
1: Yeah, so sustainable aviation fuels uh, ultimately are chemically identical to a certain extent to petroleum-based fuels. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that the reduction of the emissions comes from the life cycle of the fuel. So, for example, as these plants grow or as we produce this waste, Mm -hmm. rather than it going to the landfill, we can take that and produce sustainable aviation fuels. So the the reduction of the emissions comes in the life cycle of the fuel. Uh, Now, these SAFs can be blended with conventional jet fuel up to a 50% blend. But Boeing is also committed to make sure that all of their products are 100% SAF-compatible by 2030. So what we're saying is as the industry continues to grow and uh, improve production of, uh, of these sustainable aviation fuels or raise the production, we're also doing our work at Boeing and making sure that the aircrafts that we produce today will be 100% SAF-compatible for when that industry is, uh, uh, is mature now another fun part about SAF uh, is the way that hydrogen plays into SAF mm-hmm. so there is also a different pathway of where you can take hydrogen combine it with carbon dioxide whether it's captured from direct air or capture it from source uh, uh, for, for example and with that what you produce is synthetic fuels and again these synthetic fuels are chemically identical to petroleum based fuels they're basically hydrocarbons yeah. you have your hydrogen you have your carbon you mix them together you get hydrocarbons so uh, it's uh, uh, ultimately the way that you get to these hydrocarbons you have different options that you can uh, that you can take
0: but it would be uh, re- able to replace 100% as well as the other ones that are recycled from waste. In terms
1: of emissions, do you mean? Yes. Or, well, there are some. Uh, so, for example, using uh, the synthetic uh, path, uh, synthetic fuels pathway, which is hydrogen mm-hmm. and, and carbon. Uh, if you're producing green hydrogen and combining that with carbon dioxide that's uh, being produced from, um, you know, that would have probably gone into the air, you could you know, you could reach, uh, have a zero emission fuel or a net zero fuel. So uh, uh, that's uh, uh, the challenge there is making sure that the hydrogen that's being produced is green. And how would
0: you label it as green?
1: Well, it needs to come from renewable ener- energy resources. So the bottleneck there. Is we need to have abundant deployment of renewable energy, because that's the main thing for us to produce green hydrogen, which can then be used for so many different uh, uh, applications, whether it's in aviation or shipping or in uh, lots of these heavy emitting sectors as well. But the most important thing is making sure that the uh, the, the, the hydrogen that's being produced is actually green. Yeah.
0: I really hope we get there fast because i feel like it's going to solve a lot of problems
1: there are so many colors of hydrogen it's (laughs) it's a full rainbow we have pink hydrogen which comes from nuclear there's blue hydrogen which comes from methane there's gray hydrogen brown hydrogen so we want the green we want the green one (laughs) we want the green one so uh yeah so it's uh, but it's that's another interesting topic i think you know looking at all of these different uh colors of hydrogen and uh, and where they are now.
0: That could be a podcast on. It. That could be an episode on its own honestly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to ask you about uh have you had any partnerships in terms of uh, SAFs in
1: Egypt? So uh we've uh, ab- Boeing has been active uh, in Egypt since, since the 1960s, so I think it's, it's a long-standing relationship that exists between uh, Boeing and, uh, and Egypt. Uh, we also delivered a flight with Egypt Air back in 2019, which was the longest SAF flight at that time. It was all the way from Seattle here to Cairo. Wow. Uh, so That's I don't I think way. a lot of people know that, that, you know, Egypt yeah. Air has actually done quite a bit of work on SAF. So it's uh, it's exciting to see more momentum going into this. We also worked, uh, so uh, Egypt Air was also, uh, uh, had a flight during COP27 from uh, Paris to Sharm el-Sheikh that was uh, powered, uh, that used SAF. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, and I think another important part of our collaboration with Egypt is uh, the announcement that we made at COP27 uh, to focus on youth, to focus on STEM, to focus on education, because I think that's a very integral part of the whole equation. We need to have that fundamental knowledge integrated from, from, from an early time so that we, have, uh, so that we can start work, uh, working on these solutions and actually bringing them to life.
0: Yeah, a good foundational level. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for um, sustainability in aviation? What are the new technologies that Boeing are working on?
1: Yeah, so the, uh, I think uh, uh, we've we've managed to make some good progress. I think uh, in terms of aviation sustainability, but the road ahead is uh, is going to be uh, it's not it's not going to be an easy one. Let's let's say that. So, for example, I think one of the biggest challenges is enabling the right ecosystem. To be able to, uh, to to scale up staff production, that's mm-hmm. going to be a very crucial part of decarbonizing aviation. I think uh, the focus on you know these future technologies, such as uh, the collaboration that we have with with NASA on the trust-based um, wing. For a trust based wing design, yes, they didn't make it easier for us to pronounce. <laughs> um, but I would encourage you to look that up and look at the aircraft design. Uh, and you know, these are uh, future technology solutions where you can reduce uh, the fuel burn by 25 to 30 percent as well. Uh, so um, I think there are a couple of exciting things happening uh, uh, in aviation. Uh, another thing that I'd, you know, we can kind of talk about as well is we've done flights on hydrogen before it's you know we've you know we, we we've we flew rockets on them we've done flight tests using hydrogen. we continue okay. to do the work we continue to invest in that research to make sure that it's safe certifiable and that the that when there is this that this hydrogen is being produced that uh, it can be incorporated into the, into the sector only when the sector is ready though and only if it's green hydrogen
0: yeah only if it's green hydrogen. only if it's green hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we've talked about a lot about the UN Climate Change Conference today, and we talked about their. We haven't talked about their agenda, have we?
1: Yeah. Well, we can uh, we can talk about that, I guess, as well. So uh, I can also. So I think uh, let's go one step back and, and talk about what COP is actually yeah. at its core. So the Conference of Parties. It's a very. Um, basically where countries come together and negotiate solutions for climate change so it's a very politically driven process between Mm -hmm. between countries between states now what we've seen happen over the last couple of years is i think there's also there's been a bit more integration in terms of bringing in private sector bringing in non-state actors, intergovernmental organizations, all of these different stakeholders that that are part of the uh, part of the solution. Another thing I think that's really exciting about this year at COP28 is that for the first time we have a high-level champion for youth. So I think that shows a clear direction of where we want you know uh, being an inclusive COP and making sure that yes. we bring youth into this conversation. So, Her Excellency uh, Shemel Mazru'i is the is the uh, high level champion for uh, for youth, uh, and we also have Her Excellency Rosane Lombard, who is the high level champion for uh, representing the private industry and non negotiated outcome, and we have His Excellency Dr. Sultan al-Jabur Jabbar, who is the COP twenty eight President uh, uh, delegate. So, I think it's a it's a very holistic approach of focusing on the negotiated outcomes and making sure that we arrive to consensus focusing on bringing in uh, private sector and industry uh, through the high-level champions and also bringing in youth.
0: Yeah. Highlighters on the youth, that's for sure. Yes. And you guys are, Yanni, leading the way to that. Hopefully it will have a lot of great impact.
1: I think there's... I uh, so. I, this, uh, I'm very confident that this COP will be different from uh, from what we've seen before Uh, I think the the mentality the approach is very solution uh, oriented it's about uh, you know let's uh, come together and and work collectively it's uh, so uh, we've uh, the thematic days have also been announced for uh, for cop so i would encourage you to go on the website and, and look at those as well on the cop 28 uh, website but uh, we're trying we're also focused on having these cross-cutting sectors so for example if we look at finance finance plays a part in every part of these solutions or uh, topics that we've discussed Mm -hmm. so uh, we need to have these conversations on finance another cross-cutting theme is technology and innovation uh, because ultimately that's where your solutions are so how do we bring uh, these technology uh, these innovative solutions how do we form the right uh, financing uh, structures in an innovative way as well uh, to be able to accelerate these solutions. Uh, how do we bring in indigenous people? How uh, We need to make sure that youth are part of the conversation. Uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of uh, exciting announcements, I think, uh, coming out of COP28.
0: I have no doubt. It seems like you have a lot of ground to cover, but it's very, very exciting. So, before we wrap our episode for today, would you like to give our listeners any piece of advice? Huh.
1: It's a... Probably... I'll
0: give you a second to think about
1: it. Okay, yeah. (laughs) All right. So, any piece of advice? I think, um, you know, when we start, when, you know... uh, uh, making these career decisions I'd I'd like to focus on that I think Mm -hmm. you know you know sometimes when you're in school or university maybe it doesn't feel like what you're doing uh, connects with with everything around you so um, I think it's very important for us to really focus on how do we integrate uh, first of all you know bring more people into the private sector i think to have more of these applied solutions that's where you know the work that amadis does is, is, is a huge contributor i think so uh, yeah. yeah and then uh, uh, this might sound a bit cheesy but i'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> ahead, um really find something that you're passionate about i knew that i i i loved airplanes i knew that uh and then you know i i, I I kind of had to think about different approaches of how can I bring the things that I love with the skills that I have to work on something that's important for the next century so um, that's kind of the thing that I'd like to end on Uh, you know uh, ultimately if you're going to work every day doing something that you really enjoy you're never really working it just feels great so uh, yeah
0: that's so true. It was lovely to have you. It's such a pleasure, and we had an amazing talk. I can't wait to see you in COP 28.
1: Thank you. We we'll and... look forward to having you.
0: Inshallah. <تصفيق> Thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Boeing.
1: لو عايز تعرف اكتر عن البرامج والمنح والامتحانات اللي بتقدمها ايست ما تعمل لايك وشير